Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. Do you want to dive deeper into this story? Do you want to get episodes early and listen without ads? Well, you get all of that and more for as little as $5 a month. Go to dakotaspotlight.com and check out Spotlight Plus. I know exactly what happened, and I just want everybody else to know what happened. I mean, this, this whole thing is tragic from so many perspectives. But I just feel so bad for Kristen because she tried to tell me like no one cared. They couldn't find your daddy. Yeah. You think we'll find him? No. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Walner. This is the final scheduled episode of Season 6, Vanishing Act, the untold story of Kristen Deedee and Bob Anderson. If something breaks in this story, we will return, and we may produce some bonus episodes in the future as well. If you've listened to all the previous episodes of this season, you've heard a lot. You've heard how Kristen and Bob took a trip to North Dakota, then just disappeared, You've heard about Kristen's marriage and childhood, about Bob Anderson and his childhood. You've learned how Bob's vehicle was found 100 miles away. You've heard about a place called the Ward Hotel, and you've heard four theories about what may have happened to them. This episode is something else. This is about the impact that Kristen and Bob's disappearance has had on others. It's titled, An Open Letter to a Killer. And that is exactly what this is, a letter to the person or persons who are responsible for the likely demise of Kristen Deedy and Bob Anderson. Because this is not a story about just two people, it's about whole families, about friends and neighbors, it's about so many people affected by this case. You've heard from all of them before, and in this episode I'll be your guide, but the words will be theirs, because frankly, the loss is theirs. So here we go. An open letter to a killer. Open letter to a killer. You killed Kristen Joy Deedee. You killed Robert Michael Anderson. You took their lives and then you buried or burned or submerged their bodies and covered up your tracks. But some things can't be covered up or hidden or forgotten. Some things are always left out in plain sight. Like damage. The damage your act left behind. Kristen was a mother of two. She was also a sister, a daughter, a neighbor, an aunt, and a friend. Bob Anderson was a father of two. He had brothers and sisters, parents, friends. Your act left all of these people with loss, real loss, and a lifelong sense of hopelessness, guilt, sadness, confusion, frustration, and anger. People like Heather, Kristen's neighbor in Bloomington. Heather and Kristen used to babysit each other's kids. They became friends quickly, and Heather was with Kristen on the night she met Bob. To be honest, um... I didn't realize how much her her leaving and never being found affected me until I got off the phone with you. 
and started looking at my own life and how it affected me and uh, what I did to myself. I just I keep replaying stuff in my mind, and uh, it took me finding my husband to snap out of it, and uh, yeah, it it ruined my life that she uh, was taken, and and uh, until I found my husband, it was uh, devastating that I could be in the midst of this. I didn't realize how it affected my whole life for years. What I'm hearing from you, I think it's, it sounds like you did everything you could have here. I don't know. I, it really does. Really? Yeah. I don't know what else you could have done. And let's not forget Molly. Molly was Kristen's caseworker at the Cornerstone Domestic Violence Shelter. Molly knew something was wrong from the very beginning. Yeah, but I, I you know, I was worried about her. People just don't disappear like that. And I knew she was crazy about her kids. Molly and others are left with all the what-ifs. What if I had done this? What if I had done that differently? Well, I just wish I could have had some impact on her for that weekend as to how important it would be for her to stay here and stay safe and that she really needed to to be careful. It was really, it, this whole thing, as you can tell, it was very difficult because nobody was interested in, in pursuing this. And uh, and I really felt at a loss that, I, I, that there was nothing that I could do. What I should have done is just gotten in my car and driven out there. But I don't know, that didn't seem like something I, I, I should do. Molly's superior at Cornerstone was Susan Nice, the director. All these years later, what Susan can't get out of her head is that Kristen and Bob were just good people who met a tragic fate. You know, she obviously was kind enough to, to recognize that the, that the children had a relationship with their grandparents, and she wanted to support that in, in whatever way she could, speaks volumes, in my opinion, of the kind of person that Kristen really was. Maybe she wasn't well-educated. Maybe she wasn't the smartest person. But she was a good person. And Bob was a good person. They were just two friends um, that were trying to do the right thing. And I know that the Anderson family... They were looking for Bob. They were pounding on the table saying, what happened to him? The Anderson family, Bob's mother and father and siblings, they put up a reward. They asked questions. For decades, they asked questions. They still ask those questions to this day. Our father's name was Aldine Anderson and mother's name was Matilda Anderson. They've both passed away about seven years ago. This is Bob's younger sister, Debbie. When they were kids, she used to play with Bob in the sandbox at their home in Minnesota. She'd wait anxiously for her brother Bob to come home from school each day. I can't imagine the pain my mother had to deal with. My father... um, was suffering from dementia. With dementia, sometimes there's paranoid 
And it was really hard on him too because he would remember Bob. He thought maybe we knew where Bob was and weren't telling him. My mom went to the grave with a sharp mind. But even as she was going through the process of dying, she would have like nightmares about Bob. Bob's sister, Diane. I don't think mom wanted to believe that he had been killed at that time. And Bob's brother, Dean. Mom said that there's not a day that would go by that she didn't think of Bob. She'd get up in the morning and think of Bob, and then before she'd go to bed, she'd think of Bob. She was into praying quite a bit. She used to pray the rosary. And uh, Dad, it bothered him, but he's the type of guy that kept it inside, and it bothered him very much. I mean, he, he really loved Bob. Debbie again. Yeah, I just can't imagine a mother losing her child. And I walked in her room one day and she was just crying. And this was years after. Still to this day, Bob's sister Debbie has dreams about her brother. But I keep dreaming that he's going to come back. I've been seeking counseling for this for quite a while because um, when you love somebody like that and they just disappear one day and you have no idea one day from the next where they are, what happened, if they're okay, anything, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow. Hi again, it's me, James. I just want to tell you about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to the Dakota Spotlight podcast that allows you to listen to these same episodes without ads, and you get access to them before anyone else. Your subscription will also unlock access to exclusive episodes, the Spotlight Plus newsletter, videos, pictures, documents, and more. All at the same time, you will be supporting me and Dakota Spotlight. Please check out Spotlight Plus by going to dakotaspotlight.com. Thank you for your support. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks' lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series. And that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris, and this is my story. Conning the con. You'll remember Tiffany. We've spoken with her at length. 
Tiffany spent a lot of time with Kristen at her apartment in Bloomington. She was also friends with Heather. Tiffany would watch Kristen's kids, Mitchell and Deanna, and Heather's kids when the young mothers would go out for a girls' night on the town. Tiffany is also possibly the last person to speak with Kristen. She was staying at Kristen's apartment that weekend when the phone rang and Kristen told her she was at the Dee Dee farm having trouble getting her kids back. I met with Tiffany in person in Salt Lake City, Utah, to interview her. And I can tell you, even after all these 29 years later, it's all right there in Tiffany's eyes. The sadness, the anger, the frustration, the sense of hopelessness about this case. During our interview, I shared some things with Tiffany, things you've heard in previous episodes. The van in Aberdeen, the Ward Hotel, the lack of local news coverage, that it took 16 months for North Dakota law enforcement to learn about the case. Much of this information was new for Tiffany. I am completely outraged right now. I'm like, oh, I'm just completely sick and outraged right now that that she meant so little to people. I'm crushed. I, I want to cry. I just for her, just like I'm sorry, Kristen, that that people have dropped the ball and you know let you down. I mean, I didn't even know her that long, and I'm completely angry. I didn't even know Bob that long, and I feel sick to my stomach because these are two human beings that had children, that had parents, and I know on Bob's side they were, you know, very upset. They they wanted to know. I know they felt about as hand tied as I did, but I just feel so bad for Kristen because she tried to tell me like no one cared, and it just makes me sick. To realize that no one cared. Maybe I should have made more of a scene. Um, I just I just felt because I didn't know her all that much. I wasn't related to her that I couldn't. What's most palpable when I meet with Tiffany is the person she remembers, the Kristen that Tiffany remembers. Tiffany even named her own daughter after Kristen. And. She made an impression on me. I mean, she just really made an impression on me. Um, I felt for her. She was very endearing. I just loved her so much. It was a short relationship, but I just adored her. I just thought she was, she was everything I wanted to be as a parent. She, you know, she was just everything that I wanted to be to my children. So let's play with that idea or whatever. Let's imagine Kristen is watching us right now. You know, I'm pretty sure she'd be here just hitting me inside the head going, <laughs> finally, finally, you're talking about it. Um, I really think she, she would just say to me, you know what, thank you for not forgetting about me. WCCO reporter Dan McDonald preceded Jeremy and I on this story. He went to Wishick in 1995 thinking to get some answers. Instead, he got a very, very cold shoulder. He was met with hostility at the Dee Dee farm. He and his cameramen were followed, and they felt run out of town. He hit nothing but roadblocks and dead ends. Almost 30 years later, the experience is still cemented firmly in his memory. You know, that there's just a whole family and, and that has no answers, and, you know, it's just an unresolved mystery that, that, that haunts people. And, I, you know, I, I just think it's heartbreaking on so many levels, and, you know, it would be great, uh, not probably not a happy ending story, but I think it would at least provide some closure to folks if they could ever really find out what actually happened to these two people 
it's not going to heal the broken heart. It's not going to heal their their pain, but it at least could provide some measure of closure. You'll remember Chase, Bob's son. Chase grew up thinking his father abandoned him, only to learn at age 16 that his father had vanished under suspicious circumstances. The news came as a shock. Yeah, it was a very emotional start of things. And then I, my addiction about that point in time really took off. It really took me in a dark place. It really threw me off because it wasn't just the childhood trauma. It was the distorted view I had up until I was 16 years old of that childhood trauma um, that really threw me into a dark hole. At one point in time, the darkest times, I was, you know, I went full bore. I was, you know, as much of everything I could every time I got it, trying to end me, trying to end my life, just, you know. And I was, I could always justify it, like, well, then I get to meet him sooner. And God had a plan for me because he didn't let it work. <laughs> Today, Chase has two children. He wants to be everything he can be for them. But the fallout from his own childhood is never far away. It's always there. Figured out the hard way, I guess the only way I learned, that uh, if I don't, you know, face life on life's terms, I'm never going to be who I want to be for my kids. You know, it was two years ago now. Um, sat three and a half months in county jail expecting to go to prison for five years. Calling my daughter every day, telling her I love her, not to forget me. I met with Chase in Wisconsin. We sat next to a lake and talked for hours. His father, Bob, was a big outdoorsman. He hasn't had any investment or involvement in my life since he went missing, but I enjoy as we're sitting here on the side of a lake. <laughs> yep. This is where I'm comfortable. You know, the woods, the fishing, hunting, you know. I was very like him when I was a kid. You just got emotional right now. I'm wondering if it's because, well, let me ask you, do you know why? What triggered that right now? Thinking about my kids. Yeah. Thinking about my kids and honestly, the only emotional part is, is that I never got to see or experience how a father interacts with his children. Lila's going to be six on October 28th. She's gone through a lot and she's really, really coped with it very well. Um, you know, switching from her mom being in jail. She's a very intellectual five-year-old, soon to be six-year-old. What do you know about your daddy's daddy? What do you know about grandpa? What do, we, what do you know about my daddy? They couldn't find your daddy. Yeah, we're still looking for him? You think we'll find him? No. Why is that? Because. You know, so it's, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is just having some, I don't even want to call it closure because I don't know if that's even a thing. But unfortunately, it seems that without Kristen and Bob's bodies, the chances of an arrest or answers in this case are slim. I asked Bob's siblings, Diane and Dean, if they would be comfortable with the person or persons responsible being granted full immunity from prosecution, zero punishment, if they would simply disclose where the bodies are so that the families could have some sort of, well, closure, I guess. Immunity? For t letting you guys know where their bodies are? Is that something you guys would be interested in? Yes, very much so. Oh, of course. That would bring a little, somewhat closer to it. It would be worth it for Definitely. you guys? Yes, I think that it would be worth it. I told Chase Anderson what his aunt and uncle had said about this, about 
offering the person responsible legal immunity in exchange for information to locate the bodies. What are your thoughts on that? I'm, God's got me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not looking for, you know, consequences for something. I'm not, I'm not the one who has to answer for those decisions, you know, so I think I would 100% agree that I would happily agree with that. And here's Tiffany and me again. Was to get uh, immunity, mm -hmm. just to find out what happened to them, just to find their bodies. Um, how would you feel about that? Um, I, I would agree with them. At this point, the person has lived a life of, you know, free as a bird, and at least we would find them. We'd be able to know where they are. So, But on the flip coin, you know, even if you got immunity or whatever, you can't run from the public, and you can't run from your old demons either. They won't have any control in the afterlife. And here's Chase Anderson on Kristen Deedy's daughter, Deanna, not taking part in this podcast. You're not angry at Deanna or no. resentful? No. No, she's got to protect herself, you know. She's only got her dad as far as I know. You know, mm -hmm. it's honestly I try to put myself into to her shoes and her brother's shoes as far as if the tables were turned on things. Um it's a child instinct to want our parents' acceptance, to be there, you know, to be accepted by them. Is it safe to say that you feel a connection to Deanna? Oh, very much so. Very much so. I've never met her, never talked to her. I don't I don't even know her personality, but you know, her mom being taken from her and her brother and my dad being taken from me and my sister. I mean, in the same scenario, I mean, how much more connection can you have to a stranger? Bob and Kristen's friends and supporters have been left to live a life with an array of feelings, anger, frustration, sadness, to name only three. But they also express feelings of guilt, wishing they could have somehow done more, feeling somehow responsible themselves. But even those strong feelings sit in the shadow of a much bigger cloud of emotion. Kristen had two children, Mitchell, who was nine, and Deanna, who was five. As we have reported earlier, Mitchell took his own life at the age of 25. Kristen's daughter, Deanna, has declined to take part in our story. Heather again. I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I failed my friend, you know, because I you know, and her children, and, and then poor Mitchell. And here's Molly again. At this time, there's only uh, Deanna left. Uh, I just think that I'm, I don't, I don't, and I don't know where she is, and I really, I really feel very bad for her. Susan Nice, former director of Cornerstone. We underestimate how much children perceive, even at really young ages. They, they don't, they can't articulate what's going on, but they know it makes them sad. That's a word that really young children use. I'm sad. But that awareness, unless something is resolved, doesn't go away. The not knowing is as bad as the knowing. For Mitchell to grow up, I mean, Kristen was devoted to those children. So I can only surmise that they were close to her. They loved their mother. And to be told that, that 
she abandoned them, the child's natural instinct is to say, she didn't love me, or what did I do wrong? I mean, this, this whole thing is tragic from so many perspectives. Tiffany and me again in Salt Lake City. What would you want to say to Deanna, if anything? I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we didn't do more. I'm sorry. That's all I can think of. And I thought about her a lot. I just felt so powerless. And I'm sorry about Mitchell. And we haven't forgotten her mother. We haven't forgotten about them. Know that she didn't just up and leave. Her and Bob didn't just go off on an extended vacation. I know exactly what happened, and I just want everybody else to know what happened. I want Mitchell to rest in peace. And my heart goes out to him more, more so than just Kristen because he was like an, a kid. She was an adult. She knew what she was dealing with. But Mitchell didn't. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that life. He didn't deserve that responsibility. I, the only peace it gives me is I know him and Kristen are together right now. And I would love, so would Heather, to talk to Deanna and at least let her know how much her mom loved her and how much they meant to her. Because I doubt that they've heard much about it, but she needs to know. Finally, I asked Chase Anderson what he would like to say to Deanna. Um, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Um, I don't hold anything against you. It wasn't your choice. You were a child, you know, as I was. Um, I feel your pain. You know, I didn't, I didn't lose a brother. Um, I can tell you from experience that I've been there. Finally got to the realization that, you know, there's a purpose for me on this earth. And I believe everyone's got a purpose on this earth. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel your pain. On behalf of myself and Jeremy Fugelberg, we'd like to thank everyone who took part in this story. A very special thank you to Kristen and Bob's families. And to you, dear listener, thank you so much for being here with us. Dakota Spotlight is a production of Forum Communications. Remember, the investigation into what happened to Kristen and Bob remains an open case. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. If you have any information about this case, contact law enforcement at the Logan County, North Dakota Sheriff's Office. The number is 701-754-2495. If you like this show and want others to discover it, please consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.